Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of In Soccer We Trust. I'm your host today, Heath, uh, Hollywood Heath, uh, Heartbreak Heath. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Jimmy says it uh, somewhat right, somewhat wrong. But you it's butchered your me. own name, bro. I know, I know. It's because I'm the heartbroken kid, not the heartbreak kid, you know? Uh, and I'm here with Charlie, uh, Chuck Wagon Davies, and we are uh, covering the group stages, um, at least for, through the U.S. lens. There's obviously still a couple games to go on Tuesday. Um, we are filming this uh, live on, on, on Monday. Uh, for those of you that are listening to this in audio form. But Chuck, what's going on, man? You just came back uh, from a little holiday. You look like you're still in holiday mode, hat backwards, you know, collared shirt on. I'm assuming wherever you were, there was a golf course because you got the attire. You know, they probably told you at some point, no hats like that allowed in the clubhouse. Uh, Please turn your hat around the right way. But it's good to have you back. And also, before we get started, Chuck, um, I got to say, congratulations to you. Inducted into the Boston College Varsity club hall of fame um love that and uh congrats on that but how you doing man uh when you put it all that i mean i'm 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 in the clouds i'm i'm doing i'm phenomenal uh the week off has was what's much needed i needed rest so hung out with the family in cape cod then we did a day trip to martha's vineyard uh then then a night in nantucket with with the the kids and it was just phenomenal and then to to get the um the call about being inducted into the Boston College Hall of Fame. Uh, think about college, right? Just awesome memories. You, I met my wife there. Um, I, I really got to to grow and mature as a, as a person off the pitch. But I was I was pushed on the field as well and made some great, uh, long lasting uh, friendships. And I'll always be grateful for Boston College. So, uh, I'm I'm New England through and through. You know that I bleed. I bleed Boston. I bleed New England. And and it's it's a uh, I'm just grateful. I, I really am. That's amazing. I love that, man. And obviously, been quite a while since your college journey. It's crazy to think back, but I'm sure you, like me, have distinct memories of scoring your first goal there, the moment, because it's a it's a weird dynamic when you're in school and things like that, but your mind is on, like, I got bigger plans than this, you know? Like, and maybe people do as students anyway, but as a player, it is a challenge to focus on schooling as well as like, hey, I, I, I'm trying to get out of here as quick as possible so I can start my career. But, <laughs> hey, but I know I got to do the work, you know. Yeah. The the thing for me was I I came from a, a boarding school, so four years classes on Saturday, mm-hmm. and you know, education came first in, in the school. So I I went into college with that mindset, and then I 
you quickly change to, I got to become a professional. I know I'm going to become a professional. Right. And I'm trying to balance doing as, as much schoolwork as I can with also in, in mind, I got to, I got to be in the training room. I got to be on the pitch all, all day, every day to, to make sure that I I'm ready for the jump. Yeah. Um, and I, and I remember my first college goal was against Brown okay. and, and, uh, yeah, just a bunch of nerd schools, Chuck, a bunch of yeah. nerd schools playing soccer. Hey, but Jeff Lorenowitz was marking me. It was man marking me the whole game. So that was, <laughs> he was talking a lot of trash. And then my second game was against Sean Franklin in Cal state Northridge. Uh, so I started college off with a bang and, and, you know, well, Chuck, I mean, that sounds, that sounds a lot. First of all, we got to move off the topic because we're not giving Boston college any free, more, more free ads about life there. You know what I mean? They've gotten a lot of plugs here. It's going to increase tuition. They're going to raise the <laughs> tuition rates. Um, and, and, uh, but, but also I didn't know you had such an easy schedule. Uh, we're going to get into, uh, <laughs> hey. we're going to get into, we're going to get into scheduling issues and taking, we tried, to, we tried to schedule Portland, but yeah. they, they weren't on there. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> they were too big. We, we, we had already booked it out and you know, you can't, uh, what we're going to get into today is about how you can't schedule your opponents as a player. You can only compete against who you're playing. Yeah. Hey, you, you led me into this, but let's talk about, um, the first three gold cup games, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think, you know, while you were gone, especially, we kind of covered it, that it is really hard to judge individuals and judge uh, a team on on the performances outside of the Jamaica game, right? Uh, St. Kitts and as well as as uh, St. Kitts and Nevis, as well as St. Uh, Trinidad and Tobago. Um, it, it's hard to judge a lot of those things, but are there any takeaways from you from the first three games in terms of maybe players that have impressed or, or how the team looks as a whole, or, you know, I, I equate it personally to the U twenties where it feels really good. The vibe is great. Uh, except the U the U twenties weren't tested. I think the U S was much more tested against Jamaica. Um, but, but looking at it now, what are you, what are your takeaways from the group stages? I think we can all agree that there have been players who we expected a lot from and who have delivered and players who we've expected a lot from, and, and who have underperformed. And so I'll always start with the positives. Matt Turner, we know what he's about. He's the best goalkeeper we have in the pool. He's doing his job. I mean, hasn't really been tested, but even on those half chances, he's there. He's not giving up any opportunities. So I like what I've seen from Matt Turner. He's he's performed as expected. Uh, I think Dewan Jones has been, been a standout for me at the left back position. Just his his relentlessness to get into the attack and he's got all the tools he's physically gifted he's a phenomenal freak of nature mm -hmm. um similar to like the greek freak just a smaller version compact version <laughs> but uh in transition whether it's defensive or or attacking you can count on him and he's a great 1v1 defender I, I really like what i've seen from him a lot more patience down the position he used to be so uh anxious to to get on the front foot and run in behind and now he knows it's all about timing it's not about quantity it's about quality and it's taken him a while to get there but now he's there and i think he's he's only getting better with each performance so uh, i'm really high on him and then i think jalen neal is starting to show some 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 quality um hasn't had obviously enough reps but I like the direction he's going in yeah. uh, because you want to see younger center backs starting to get into the pool and getting an understanding of the, of the, the change of pace in this game uh, compared to LA yeah. galaxy who have been shock shocking. Yeah. Um, and then by the, by the, Robinson by the way, on, on, on Jalen Neal, by the way, he got smoked mm -hmm. a couple times yesterday and 
I in in the recap that I went solo on yesterday, I I actually said that's that's a good thing to me, right? Because I want him to be tested, and you want him to realize, oh man, I've overcommitted. I've been exposed out on the wing. That's a good thing in an otherwise solid performance. Like I I don't want our especially our young players because it's hard to find time for young players, especially in center back position. I want them to go through a, a couple tough times that make them go, okay, this is another level, right? This isn't. This isn't where I can get away with overcommitting or I don't hold my line at the right right pace and maybe I get away with it and you know I get to put my hand up and it's a goal kick, right? Like you get the higher levels against better players, you get spun, you get turned, and and that could be a goal against in the really long, long, <laughs> long road. So I think you know, little details like that are amazing learning experiences for him because they could have not they could have opted to not play a young player. Um, and then he wouldn't get this valuable experience. It's not just about playing good. It's about learning from, from little details as well. Heath, Heath from, from your left-back perspective, how has Dewan Jones done? Because I've seen a, you know, there's a couple comments, hey, New England Revolution bias. There's no bias from me. Yeah. I, I've, I've called it when the, when the kid is good, the kid is good. When the kid has underperforms, I, I call it as I see it. I think he's, I mean, look at the, the assists that he's had, the accuracy in his passing, not just whipping balls in hopelessly. There's, there's, a real direction to with his passes. Um, what 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 have you? How have you broken down his game? <laughs> real quick, uh, Matt Osman said, "Chuck with the how do you do, fellow kids fit? You do <laughs> you you got a little bit of Billy Madison on today, right now? You know what I mean? Chuck going back to the school to to make kids know is like a twenty one so cool. where it's like Chuck ro rolling up with the backpack on one shoulder. If you if you can't see him, uh, and they're you know everybody's wearing it on two shoulders, and Chuck just rolling back into the school to be like Boston College Hall of Fame, dressed like he was in college right now." Um, but look, I, I think I think Dewan Jones has been been good for me, just like the rest of this group to to kind of put a put a at least my my bow on this group stages is that including the attackers and the defenders, every detail is going to become more and more scrutinized as you go on in the tournament mm -hmm. and, and as you play against tougher opponents. Right? You might only find yourself in a one v one scenario a couple times in the game. Can you win that 1v1 scenario offensively or defensively? Those things start to become harder to come by um, and, and more scrutinized because of the, the level of consequence if you don't make the play. In any position on the field, it's about, one, uh, building as a team, but two, making your play, but knowing that, okay, if the game's not on my side, I might have to make a play for Jalen Neal if I'm the other center back. Or if I'm Dewan Jones, I might have to over-pinch in because he's been pulled out and I got to make a play there. So it's about those types of details of being dialed in. And we're going to continue to see that. And I said this, it's a win this tournament or bust for this team. Um, and I think at, it, this, it, at it, this stage, yes. Yeah. And, and it, and it was for us when we had, when I played in a B team gold cup it, it, and we got to the final and got battered in the second half when zero zero into halftime and it's a bust, right? It is a massive bust uh, with the group that we had um, in that one. We weren't the best, team in the tournament but we made it to a final and we're the u.s the expectations have to continue um to raise now my question for you before we move on dewan jones do you see him as a player moving into the a pool of, of being a backup or do you still think that maybe yes, there's, do. there's better options in, in no i don't see a better option as a left back to replace anti robinson because we people were were clamoring for for john tolkien and, and i just don't think he he's ready yet you know, may he be ready in the future? Possibly. But as of now, no, it, it's two different levels for Dewan Jones and Tolkien, just based on change of pace, athleticism, balance, intelligence on, on when to cover on the weak side. I, I really 
like how he's developed as a left back. Dewan Jones, who's naturally a right-sided player. He's worked so much on his left peg that he's he's really come up. And in terms of like for like with Anthony Robinson, I think this is as close as you get in our player pool. So I really like the the step forward, the progress from Dewan Jones. And this is a player who wants to play in Europe. Yeah. There, there have been a number of Bundesliga clubs circling uh, him for, for, for a year now. So I wouldn't expect uh, any surprises if, if, if he is, um, is not with the revolution after this season. Yeah. And, and I mean, that jump is, it can be big, especially for a young player in the Bundesliga. We saw um, blinking on his name when he went to, uh, to Bielefeld and um, um George Bello and that sort of window of air and opportunity can be really, really small for, for players on the younger side. I experienced that mm-hmm. myself. Let's move on. Let's move over to, to Jesus Ferrer because that's what the internet uh, wants to talk about today. And I, and I think we should, because it is, there is a lot of different um, takes. <laughs> yeah. Takes and, and tentacles out there. And I don't want to lose. I don't want to make this about him compared to others, because I think we agree that he's not, Competing with Pepe, and he's not competing with Balogun yet. But but in a way, he is. In a way, he is. He's making. He's 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 he is clearly playing, knowing that he's got a lot to prove to get into the A team, uh, A team pool, and then to compete to move up to be a player that's relied upon in the national team. Well, this is this is the thing. As a striker, you see, you you analyze the pool. Where, where do I fit? Where am I? Where where's my fitness and, and level of quality now? And and what where do I need to be and where can I be compared to the rest of the player pool? And and I was I was one of those players when I was coming in, there there weren't many players that uh were on the younger side. Brian Ching was was aging out, uh, Connor Casey was aging out. Um, Taylor Twelman, who wasn't really a part of the team, but he was like floating around just because he was good in MLS, but not proven on the international stage whatsoever, uh, was was there. And then Eddie Johnson, who was kind of in and out. So there there was not a, a, a number of players. So I knew I just had to get be playing in Europe and, and I'd get an opportunity. I think for Jesus Ferrer now, he's looking at Ricardo Pepe and Balogun. They're both playing in Europe. So the only way really for him is to continue to score goals, but to make that move to Europe. I think that's what everyone's going to say. You're, you are not going to be rightfully given an opportunity with the A team, given that Pepe and Balogun are playing in Europe and, and continuing to score unless you make the move. And I think Jesus Ferrer could be very successful if he continues to score goals and makes the right move in terms of playing in Portugal, maybe for one of the top teams or going to a, a team in La Liga where they play. But if he goes right into a, an English Premier League side or a championship side where it's super physical and you're not relied on your movements and your technique, he's going to get absolutely housed as a nine. That, yeah. That's just not, not his game and it never has been his game. So I, I think it's important to focus on his strengths and his strengths are his finishing, get making smart runs in the box, but but making sure you're you're not in those physical 50-50 duels and, and having to rely on his strength because, because hold-up play is not for him. But if he can be effective with his movement, running in the channel, staying high, and not checking all the all the time so deep and making his game predictable, he could be successful. Okay. Well, let me ask you this then. What I tried to do yesterday is just to comment on the fact that he's now tied with three hat tricks. 
And I didn't. I'm not trying to get into the comparison of him to other players right now. Oh, you triggered I, some people. I triggered I, a lot of people. But you triggered some people. I, and, and it's still going. Like it's still it's it's still going to to uh, today. The point I'm trying to make is that you know it, Chuck. You've played in blowout games. Hat tricks mm-hmm. are hard to come by. Yes, they, they are. are. There's a little bit of luck involved. There's a lot of about being able to finish certain chances. And for him to have three, some credit has to be given. I don't care about the opponents because I my point is that we had our legends. Played hundreds of games for the national team. 100 plus games, right? A lot of those are against weaker opponents. And probably a dozen or more are against really bad opponents. And I'm not saying that they should have had hat tricks. I'm just saying that if it was that easy, especially in CONCACAF and you play the Gold Cup every couple years and you have some random friendlies and things like that, getting hat tricks should be a lot easier in theory. And all my point is, is that getting a hat trick is hard. It's hard. And you can't discredit somebody when they've had multiple hat tricks for the national team. Yes, we know the opponents are poor, but to get hat tricks is to get a hat trick. I mean, do you do you disagree with the difficulties of a hat trick? No, I don't think any any professional knows how difficult it is to score a hat trick. It is extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. But I think when you when you put it out there about the hat tricks, you instantly go to comparisons mm-hmm. a- and. Look at some of the greatest goal scorers that the U.S. has ever had. You know, Landon Donovan, Clint Dempsey, McBride, uh, you know, our, our Eddie Johnson. I'm just thinking of, of strikers, Clint mm-hmm. Mathis. I think what when you com- make those comparisons like a, and, and they haven't done that, you, you say, well, is he, are you trying to say he's better than them or he's going to be better than them? He's still 22. The youth is on his side. He's done so much at such a young age, which is fantastic. But we all know to prove yourself, to test yourself, you have to put yourself in a difficult circumstance, situations, the environment, push yourself because he's not going to do it right now. He needs to go and be challenged. And then you can say, if you score 18 goals in Syria or the Bundesliga or La Liga, well, now we're talking right now, 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 now those numbers, you can back that up with something, right? But right now, people can just write that off. It's very easy to say the competition, look at CONCACAF where it is now, where it used to be. There, there, there are a lot of factors that when you, when you look at the numbers, because it's easy also to look at Jesus Ferreira in, in the competition he has played before, which you could argue, well, all those helped prep him to now. So he's in a, in a good form, but playing against the Netherlands in the world cup, 45 minutes, didn't, didn't do it. Colombia played 63 minutes in the international friendly. Didn't do it. Uh, yeah. Japan, but Chuck, Jap- I, know, I, 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 get what, just, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Okay. 45 minutes against the Netherlands in the knockout round. Mm-hmm. We had the comparisons I'm getting is like Clint's goal against England that slipped through the goalkeeper's legs is like big moments that helped the U S get to a knockout round. And I'm not right. discrediting, discrediting that at all. But we're talk- I, we are comparing people to their full picture over their entire career of 100-plus games in the national team and showing up in big moments. I'm not going to bring Landon in this conversation because he showed up in a lot of big moments. But you're still – it's not it, – it, like big moments are, are, are all relative. And this is a player that now has a World Cup. He's 20. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are I, you saying this is a big moment like compared to those moments? No, no, no. I'm not saying this is a big moment. I'm saying okay. that he's had a few big moments to prove himself. And if he keeps himself in the pool, uh, scoring goals at the club team, club I wouldn't level. say they're. I wouldn't say they're big moments, I, I, Heath. I would. I. I no, no, know these aren't big I, moments. I'm talking okay. about. I'm talking about the game. I'm talking about the Netherlands 
Those are big moments, and he didn't show yes. up, right? Yes. Okay. I'm saying he's had a few of those big moments. Uh, the, 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 the hat tricks, I'm giving him credit because I know how hard a hat trick is. I'm not talking about anything else other than that. But what I'm saying is he's a 22-year-old with a World Cup under his belt, and he's moving forward. He's improving as a player. He is getting better. I can, I, we can all see that if you're watching it with your eyes and not blind to just because you want to hate him where he plays or what league he plays in. But what I'm saying is if he keeps himself in the conversation and keeps getting better, he's going to get an opportunity for more big moments. Because if you went and looked at all of our legends, and he, I'm not saying he's going to be a legend, but if you looked at our biggest players, there's a lot of times they didn't have the big moment and they didn't shot. We didn't go 100-0 and when, with all of our guys when they played their games. You have to keep yourself in the conversation to keep getting opportunities for big moments and then prove yourself. That's all I'm saying is that he is now trying to, he's keeping himself in the conversation to get more opportunities of big moments to shine, right? Some of our guys played in three, four World Cups and were able to do that. They didn't do it every game. They didn't do it every moment of every no. game. But there were times throughout their careers that they had career-defining moments in the national team. And that's oh. what I'm saying is he's got to keep himself in that conversation and then ultimately prove it over time. He hasn't been given enough windows to say he can't do it. He's been given a few and hasn't done it in the biggest moments. But in the future, he's got to keep scoring goals to keep himself in the conversation, get to a bigger club at some point to, to challenge himself there. And then ultimately, we'll judge him based looking backward at what biggest moments he was able to capitalize on or fail on. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, he, we can't even think about Clint Dempsey or Landon Donovan. That that we can't even even touch that because both of them have scored. You know, obviously in World Cups, Confederation Cups, uh, Europa League against Juve, the chip for Clint uh, Landon, just countless goals, MLS Cups, and and he's even on his loan with Everton. Like, but over a career, over a career. We're talking about 22-year-old. All right, let's talk about Landon in career. the World Cup. Oh, two. Let's talk about Landon right? in 06. <laughs> but Landon in 02. Yeah, I get it. Forget I, I, about 06 because yeah, he already did it in will, 02. Listen, I will get, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you that, but this idea that guys just on the biggest stage have always showed up for the national team, it's not that easy because it's a collective group, the quality of your team, it's the quality right. of the chances. Yes. But when you look back at them, you see how many times that they arrived on the big stage. It wasn't every time they arrived. They didn't arrive in every big game. But okay. Chuck, your transition into the national team of being a, a go-to striker was your ability to arrive in big moments, right? And then you can look back and say, hey, he was impactful over games and these types of things. But it wasn't like you were lights out every single game. And you can't judge it on that. And there were some big no, games. But you no, arrived but, in some big moments to make your name but uh, this moving is the forward. Difference. Heath, this is the difference. And, and I know you love the kids. I know you love the kids. You think the kids are going to be all better than everyone before them. It's good. I know you... Th you I, I see your argument, okay? What I'm saying is, for me personally, I got some national team caps. I was not ready for, for the speed of play. I was not ready for the pressure. And it took me going through a, a really difficult season in Europe where I was coming off the bench most of the games. Um, mm -hmm. and, and my coach saying... You aren't going to start until you earn it. And, and you're going to keep your head down and work hard. And it took me the last four games of the year where I finally started playing. I was starting at right midfield. He moved me up to striker. I score a hat trick in the last game of the season. And then I never looked back yeah. with, with my club team. And that form carried me into the Confederations Cup. Even so, I, I, I wasn't ready until the Egypt game. And it, everything clicked for me. And at that point, I knew I could play against anyone, anytime, and and I had the confidence of not only the the, the coach, but the all, all the players and the fans. 
right? Because they see it. I think for Jesus Ferreira, he's had his big moments. And, and, and of course, he's only 22 years old. But he hasn't delivered. And that's fine. You, as a young player, it's better to, to fail early so you can have success in the future. Because now you know what it, what it takes to, to win, to, to, to score goals, to have success. I like that he's going out there and getting those opportunities, and it hasn't worked for him. But he has to keep pushing himself because for, for him to get in the conversation, which is what you're, he's expected to do, these back-to-back hat tricks against a, a poor St. Kitts side. I mean, I think a, a college team could beat the St. Kitts side, no, no lie. Um, and that's Trinidad and Tobago side. That's He's doing what is expected of him to stay in the conversation because he was low down the totem pole. Yep. And, 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 and he's doing what is expected just to, to stay relevant. He needs to have these performances. So a, a European club is going to take a chance on him yep. because well, he's listen, not going to go for cheap. Yep, I, I agree. But listen, we're going to take our first break of the show. When we come back, we might keep this going. We might move on to other things happening in the Gold Cup. So don't go anywhere. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, one love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, guess what, Chuck? Morning footy. Uh, your beloved show is now a podcast. And uh, I'm not going to do it any justice. So I'm going to ask you, Chuck. <laughs> tell people why they should be listening into this podcast. I mean, it's a no-brainer. You wake up. And you have every storyline in the world of, of football right there for you to, to digest. Mm-hmm. Every story, every topic, leagues, league updates, goals, analysis, and, and some banter. All of it right there for you to, to listen to and watch. So um, it's, it's an incredible show. We have awesome guests. It, it's, uh, I mean, it, there's, it, it doesn't yeah. get better for me. You- you just got to you just got to go and give it a listen or a watch. Obviously, you yes. can catch it on the Glosso Network weekdays at 7 a.m. Eastern Time and re-airing at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Eastern Time. But it's also available as a podcast, so if you're not able to jump on and watch it with your eyes, you can listen to it with your ears and uh you can download that download that on Apple, Spotify or wherever you find your podcast. So make sure you subscribe to that one and get those things going. That's that's they they're part of the fam and and obviously doing it on the show. Wait, and, Heath, uh, before you go. Yeah. Where am I going? I, I, before you go anywhere, oh. I, I this is a burning question for me, okay? So, Jesus Ferreira doesn't perform well against Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Okay, the toughest team in the group does not I score. Actually thought, I thought he was good in that game, but... but I, didn't, I didn't think so. Yeah. Okay. And then, St. Kitts, Trinidad, back-to-back hat-tricks. But my question to you is, he doesn't perform that well. Brandon Vasquez comes in and scores. Mm-hmm. How is Jesus Ferreira starting in that St. Kitts game when, when there were multiple changes? Why is Vasquez not getting the chance in that game? It, it, do you think that's – Look, I think – There's a lot of things going, running through my mind, but I'm curious to, to know what you think 
is the reason why Vasquez did not get the run out like a number of other players did after he actually scored coming off the bench against Jamaica? Uh, that's a good question. I, I think it's a really good question. U- ultimately, like roster building is not as easy as just like the guy who scores, give him the chance. And, 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 and you know that you, we, we hoped, we had hoped to see even Ferreira and Vasquez together with Ferreira more in that withdrawn striker and, in and, in the high point in a, in a four, three, three, we didn't, we didn't, uh, get that in terms of the starting lineups, but it's, it's clearly they're seeing something right now that, that I'm, I, I guess what I'm, my answer is I hope that when the time comes that they got to make that change. And I'm not saying take Ferrer off. You can find another place for him in and around the pitch because I think he has deserved to be in the starting starting team. That they recognize that instead of being blind to this idea that like we don't need a target striker because whatever. Like we're going to face an opponent where we do need somebody up there to occupy the center backs. Maybe you have a forever that can run off of him and things like that. So I don't know why they wouldn't have picked that. You and I know that we spent most of our career sometimes wondering those types of things when you're playing. Uh, why, why, <laughs> yeah. why am I not playing or why are we playing why? this way? Or why, you know, Jimmy made a point the other day about feeling like, you know, under Bob, we were always well-prepared, but it always felt like we were well-prepared as like the underdog in games, right? We always came out respecting the opponent in terms of our risk and, and how we were putting out a team in a lot of games to be like a little bit more defensive or in reaction to how they're going to play instead of our biggest goal and dream of sometimes you wonder like, well, why don't we go out there and dictate the game? Why don't we? And obviously that's a, quality that's a that's a, a a unity of how you play but Jimmy made that point the other day and I found that interesting because you spend a lot of your time as a player having to constantly buy into the system of that day or that game or the the, the starting 11 and if you're not starting that can be really really hard so I, I'm not sure why that is I just hope that when the time comes in this tournament where it the game presents itself in a way that goes we need a target striker what do we do next how do we change they go for that instead of just the default which we know Jesus Ferreira can get you far as as a withdrawn striker, as a you know false nine, and I know he's becoming more of a nine over time. He's only been playing that position for a short amount of time, um, and is improving at that as opposed to being the false nine. I hope that they recognize that and say, okay, today's the day we're going to change that and take the risk differently than saying this is going to be the thing that wins us the tournament. Because again, we know that once you get to better teams that are more clever and smart, and they set up against you the right ways, and they start to deny where those spaces are, that could mm-hmm. become a really big challenge. And we've seen the U.S many, many times with and without Jesus Ferreira on the field, struggle to, to to figure out what to do at that point. Well, well said. I mean, this is this this is going to be interesting because we're not going to go away from this until Jesus Ferreira makes a move to Europe. Yeah, I think that's going to be the case because he might keep continue to score, but as long as Pepe and Balogun are healthy and playing, those are the top two strikers. And at the point, we're only taking two strikers. Yeah, only room for two strikers because all look at the depth on the the wings and the midfield. It, it's uh, even now we're getting center back depth, which was yeah. unthinkable at this stage. So it, it's a it's a good problem to have. But I, I just seeing Jesus Ferrer and the way he's playing and and celebrating his goals, not going crazy. It's yeah. almost like yeah, I should be doing this. I think he has the right mindset. Yeah, I agree, and 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 it's interesting because. Again, a player like him, you go back however many years you want, we would have been probably a lot more positive leaning and thinking this guy was going to be everything. Whereas now we've got proper depth and he's got he's got to be hungry and over index over and over again. Get to Europe and over index just to climb up that pecking order. And I think that's a great motivator for any player who wants to try to break in to the team. Uh, Chuck, let's move on to um, 
Uh, the rest of uh, we've got uh, Group B. We'll throw Group B up on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, Eltree still top, um, but is the Jaime Lozano honeymoon kind of already to an end? They obviously <laughs> he, he can't force he can't force them to score goals. Santi Jimenez had a couple great chances, um, and there was just some big saves. Qatar defended with their with their lives in that one just to be able to grind that out and get the one nil over Mexico. Um, but well, I mean, what's your thoughts on this Mexico side losing to Qatar in the group stages? Because I mean, I think the U S has only won, lost one group stage match in, in, in their history. Um, you know, it's a big deal. They still finish out on top clearly. And, 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 um, but what, yeah, what's your takeaway from that one? I mean, just looking at, at that matchup against Qatar, it, they were out, they outshot Qatar 25 to one. And, and lost the Mexican side still talented, but not anywhere near what we're used to. And it, it starts with the identity. Lozano is, is just a temporary guy. He's, he's, this is not a long-term coach. They're waiting for the right candidate, but he'll be in charge until they find the right candidate. There, there's no rush. They're, they're qualified for World Cup. They can they can afford to say, Lozano, you stay there until until the right guy comes. We're not gonna just hire anyone to hire anyone. They're they're in desperation mode right now. They right. they they can't afford to get things wrong. You wait you wait to make the right hire because they are they are they are abysmal for for Mexico, uh, for what we expect of Mexico with the quality that they have. And and I, I think you saw Diego Linez a couple of those moments in the game. He's got to be playing. Figure out a way to get him going, especially if the player is doing everything off the field right and his mentality is right. He's too gifted technically to not be playing in that side. He's a he's a difference maker, different type of profile than most of their players. Uh, but it, it, I mean, it, that should just this game highlights just how bad Mexico are right now. Yeah, and just, given just, where, where they should be. Jason said Mexico are are as deflated as the ball behind Charlie on the bookshelf. Uh, (laughs) And they're not wrong. I mean, look, we've gone through. Let's not forget. Let's not forget the U.S. in 2018 and and the most difficulty difficult of moments that led to the next generation being thrown into the fire of having to develop and be ready for the national team. A number of which weren't, but have now gotten the experience and shown both at the club level and the international level the depth of this group and the quality that we're building. Um, let's throw up Group D uh, because obviously these games are being played uh, Tuesday for Group C and D. Um, but you look at Guadalupe on top with four points, Guatemala in second place, Canada two points in third place, and Cuba down on the e. bottom on zero. Um, first of all, uh, to 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 just reflect Haiti finish on uh, at the bottom of their group, uh, which I thought was a little disappointing. We know how dangerous they can be in this tournament in a team that I did not want the U S to have to, to face, but looking at this one, the U S will play against whoever finishes second in this group with one game to play, you know, Canada, uh, you know, it's, third place after back-to-back draws, uh, not a they, great, it looked like the, the good tournament. old Canada Heath. <laughs> this exactly. is a Canada, Canada without Alfonso Davies and Tejan Buchanan, and Jonathan David, Kyle Lahren. This is a candidate side that has zero fear factor, mm-hmm. where their best their best player is Richie Larea as yeah. their right wing back. Uh, back line has always been pretty suspect, and I think now but a lot start- of his back line is is like these these are World Cup guys. You know what I mean? Like there's uh, there uh, is Elster Johnson's their best defender. He's not yeah. there. 
And that is true. But like they, when they went through qualifying, they changed their back three or four almost every match, and they matched up and they lined up, finishing top of the qualifying group. They had this fight mentality that that I think is is uh, seemingly different than now. And yeah, the ball hasn't necessarily gone their way in this tournament, but it, it's 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 crazy to me that this is where they they stand right now, going into this this final one. I wouldn't want to play them if the if if they finish second in the group, um, that's for sure. But it's it's a really interesting time for them because they're they're dealing with a lot of um sort of financial issues um they're struggling to 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 put out a team that i think is is admirable and and i look at them right now and part of their growth uh of the canadian national team was around the development of the players within major league soccer right and and i've talked about this before that when when guatemala (laughs) when honduras when when costa rica when um um el salvador any of these, these Panama, especially when these teams were at their best, that was during a period in major league soccer when they had created new mechanisms. And we were bringing in all the top players from, from central America that were playing, leaving central America to play at a higher level in major league soccer. You don't see that same level anymore because the mechanisms have changed. And now we're going after the 20 year old in Argentina and and writing a big check for him versus, you know, some of these bringing some of these players into the league. And I think it's, it's hurt a lot of that player development. When I think about Canada, they're a team that, again, uh, benefited a lot from th- having uh, those three teams in, in Major League Soccer and the development of that. But it can only get you so far, right? And they started to add those pieces, as you just mentioned, that aren't in the tournament that took them from being, okay, good, solid national team on their day can make your life hell to being really good um, in, in the region. And now it looks like they've kind of defaulted back to, to struggling. Do you even think they get out of this group? Oof. Um, man, if, if they play, if they I, can't, they play Cuba. So yeah, like I, they get out, of the, they, they, get, they, they get out of the group, but I, I'm thinking of knockout rounds. And I think what is evident is they have no depth. This is a Canada side with no depth. And I know Alfonso Davies, Jonathan, David, Tejan Buchanan, Kyle Aaron are massive pieces, but there's, there's not much there. There's not. And, and I think John Herdman too, with with everything going on in, in the federate the Canadian Federation, it's it's very difficult to to get guys motivated and, and get people behind the team because there, there's just so many question marks that you're hearing about. You know what what's going to happen if they go bankrupt? Yeah, right. Um, it's it's a sad situation. Yeah, it is tough. Do you think do you think uh, Herdman's on on any sort of hot seat at the moment considering? They're Canada, and Canada has no. changed their <laughs> reputation. It's not Abs- the same team. But... Abs- absolutely not. I mean, who are they going to go to? This, this John, <laughs> yeah, John, John, John Herdman literally took this team out of out of. They were on the bottom floor. They were bottom feeders mm-hmm. to top of the Concacaf for World Cup qualifying, and and brought a lot of attention to to Canada. I mean, of course, you, your your players are out there performing, and John and Alfonso Davies is leading the charge, but. John Herbin gave them an identity and, and being tactically flexible and out coaching teams. He's not and on any hot seat. He's, he, he's might as well be untouchable. So he gets the whole world cup all the way through the world cup. Totally fair. Totally fair. But listen, everybody, we're going to take our second and final break of this show. When we come back though, we're going to wrap this thing up around uh, transfer news. Christian Pulisic, Brennan Aronson. Uh, we got Timo Weah finishing that deal. And then uh, we're going to wrap this whole thing up and send everybody on their way. So stay right there. 
You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody, uh, to In Soccer We Trust. It's just myself, uh, the Heartbreak Kid, and uh, Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies uh, taking this one. As a reminder, Jimmy is on a uh, global uh, expedition right now, uh, just trying to see if he can touch every single continent here over the next month uh, or so. I think he's getting close towards the end of that trip. But he's not here. He's not available because sometimes he's settled in one place. Other times he's in transition, but we'll get him back very, very soon. um, And we miss him. So shout out, Jimmy. Um, We know you listen to every episode even when you're not here. So um, anyways, moving on, Chuck. uh, Christian Pulisic's next move. Uh, A few little details here. David Ornstein reporting that uh, Lyon have offered 25 million. AC Milan have only offered 15 million. I believe from what I read too, from a rumor that Christian Pulisic has stated, he does not want to go to Lyon, um, or join Lyon in that one. But for the sake of the argument, do you think Lyon could be an appropriate move for a, a, a player like him, given the context of what we want from him, given the context of, of what we think that he could do at AC Milan in Italy. Now, don't get me wrong. Oh, I God. played in France, Liga, special in my heart, but Lyon was not the right move for him. If you're going to France, you're going to a Champions League club. You're hey, going they made a Champions to, League semifinal in the last few years, you know? Like, uh, yeah, but this is a club that finished out of European competition. So okay. it, it, you're, you, you would only leave Chelsea to go to a, a, a club that's competing in Champions League. If Marseille uh, gets in Champions League, Lens... Those even a PSG, if they they felt like, oh, we want Christian Pulisic, he's going to play. You make that move, mm-hmm. but you're not making a move to Monaco or Lyon. No disrespect to those clubs because they're phenomenal clubs, great histories, but they're not in European competition. And and, the, and if you're not in the European competition in the French league at this stage for Christian Pulisic, you're not taking that big of a step down. So, um, Syria and in AC Milan seems like that's that's where he wants to be links up with a former teammate in uh, Olivier Giroud, it would be a phenomenal spot for him. It's a massive club, big history. They're competing in Champions League. They guess got to a Champions League semifinal. Mm-hmm. It's, it feels like if he went there, it's because they want him to play. They see him playing. He's an upgrade to, to Salamakers. He's an Brahim Diaz left, went back to Real Madrid. There, there is an opening there for him to play. Well, I mean, what I do like about, you know, the AC Milan move, again, is the style, I think, the impact that he can have. And like you said, there's room for him, right? It's not a Sergio Dest kind of jumping around trying to find, you know, the right place for him and just not actually going to uh, 
a place where there's a need, right? Like going because you need to go versus going because like someone's like, okay, this is a piece that makes us better. This is a piece that if this player is healthy and fit, he can be a starter um, in our team. And I, and I do think AC Milan is a club that, you know, I, I don't think we're being naive or unrealistic in the fact that Pulisic could go there and be a consistent starter over an entire season and and uh, play. And and, and play. I see the, the question from Heather, why move to Milan when you're, you're going to be behind someone else anyways. You're, he's not going to be behind. That's why he's making the move. You're not leaving Chelsea to go to another backup spot. You're, you're, you're not leaving to go into the same position. Yeah. You're leaving to play. And AC Milan is, is a much more of a guarantee from a big club that he will play given that they, they have a deficiency in that right wing spot in the, in the, the formation also, that they play. Also, by the way, when you're playing in a Champions League club and you're not playing... You are training with a very small group because your team's playing 60 games a year. You are playing, recover, playing, recover. You're spending a lot more time in small group sessions than you are in like full team trainings because they are generally in England and, and as well as with AC Milan, you're going to be playing two games a week almost the entire year. And maybe you can chuck out the first few rounds of a league uh, cup of, of some kind, but generally... You know, the, the training is not always as applicable um, as you would in a club where you're in a, in a really intense environment. You're not training a lot. Um, and that's the, the big the big sort of complaint for the coaches and the big complaint for a lot of players is that you're, you you do tend to train in a small group. But let's talk about um, Brendan Aronson to Union Berlin. Uh, obviously, a, a, a Champions League group stage team uh, uh, in Union Berlin. There's a lot of discussions about the way in which they play, being a good fit for Brendan Aronson, getting out of the Premier League as well, or even the championship. Uh, what are your thoughts of, of them taking him on loan? It's, a, I think, a good step for Brendan Aronson, given that you're, you're in the Bundesliga, you're playing in Champions League, you're not in, in the championship, which wouldn't have been a good fit for him. He's not a player that, has, that relies on his physical attributes. He's good at press. He's he's good at in transition. He's good when he, he just has room to run in. But in terms of building the game and get on the ball, he would have struggled in the championship. There's no room. And it's all like, you know, bumper cars. He, mm -hmm. that, that wouldn't have been great for him. But I think with the, in a Bundesliga move, it's it's one step up from the Austrian Bundesliga. I think he, he could really stand to benefit from this move because of the level of competition. But the the it's a different style of play. The pressure is not as intense in terms of the, the promotion relegation with a, in, in terms of the leads and the expectations that were placed on him. So I, I like this move a lot for, from Ben Aronson because at the end of the day, any move was better than where he is right now with leads. Yeah, I fully agree. And, and look, I think credit to him for putting himself in, in the environment to really test himself with a big jump of a move in terms of, uh, quality and the expectations, right? He went to Leeds and it became a perfect storm of a situation in terms of the expectations, the quality of the team around him, his own confidence and quality that maybe this, I think in, in, in terms of uh, it's a lateral move in, in a few ways, but it's a move back and probably closer to what his best next step is to develop as a player versus, you know, again, when, when you come out of a club, if you think about what they what Leeds paid for Brendan Aronson, there's not a lot of clubs in the world that could pay that. You know, um, it's Premier League clubs because you know uh, Lyon's not paying that for Brendan Aronson, right? It's a club that can spend thirty million and still going to be fighting relegation versus like most other clubs are pretty much closer to a Champions League side to be able to pay that type of transfer fee. Uh, and I will say this: not that I am saying Brendan Aronson is this quality, 
But look what happened when Kevin De Bruyne and, and Mo Salah came to the English Premier League early. It, it didn't work for them. They yep. were lost. And they had to take a step backwards. And in Mo Salah's case, he goes to Serie A and Fiorentina. And for... Uh, uh, just blanked um, Kevin De Bruyne. He goes back to, to the Bundesliga and playing in the Bundesliga. That's where he gets that, that move to, to, to city. So I think this is a great step back to take two, two steps forward. I mean, and, and, and just to give more context to, to, to your comment there, obviously it's not that the, the comparisons it's about the fact that there is a you get that list is a hundred long of players that went to the Premier League too early left and came back or in the mm-hmm. wrong club uh Gerard Piquet you know like there's the list goes on and on of guys of being in the right environment the right club at the right time and the right phase of their development for it to work out not everything is just about going to the next place and then just you know lighting the place on fire and going up very rarely does you know you you look at the few players whose clubs just whose careers just go upwards the entire very time few. And, and because we talked about it, like there's a lot of luck in finding the right manager that believes in you. You can ride the coattails of that, the right club, the right system for you as a player, the injury right free. staff or injury free, the right staff around you to develop as a player, the right home life where you're actually enjoying um, your life and your world. Like I did not have any joy when I was in Germany uh, off the field. It was just like work home, work home. There was no like I had no su- support system like it, it, a lot of that weighed on what my performances ultimately ended up being. Some days were good. Some days were bad. And then you go sometimes home and they good, can, they can sometimes, come. yeah, sometimes good, sometimes bad. <laughs> um, uh, and so it's, it's not always that, 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 that easy. And a lot of it comes into it. Obviously the biggest players around find a way to always kind of turn their careers in the right direction. Um, and those players are generally in the professional landscape of thousands of professionals, few and far between. So I want to keep that into to, to context. Who, who Who's disappointed you the most from this uh, U.S. side in Gold Cup? disappointed me the most it's really i mean aiden morris is the the biggest disappointment for me he's obviously left uh for personal reasons i'm not sure why that is but he's a player again that that i just look at at the club level and i just go man this guy's so good he's so good at being everywhere on the field can it translate to the international game can he speed the game up does he have enough technique can he have the confidence to really have the impact in 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 and also because i don't think we have a, a second six i think james sands has been good We'll find out when we play against a team that's maybe not going to give him the ability to be on the half turn all the time or facing the field with time and space because you know that that hasn't been the the, the case. I would have loved to have seen Morris more, and I just feel like maybe maybe there is when when you've gone through a couple of coaches and you haven't gotten the looks or haven't gotten the opportunities at a certain point, you got to be like maybe it's on me and I got to get better as a player. So he's probably the number one. Zendejas also I think has been trying too much in this one mm-hmm. and lacking in confidence. Obviously, put in a great ball. Um, to the to the uh, to to the back post um, that Ferreira ended up scoring. That was his one bright moment. But overall, as like an entire package of the quality of player that we've seen from him, just doesn't seem confident. Doesn't seem like he knows how to be most impactful. Trying too much when he when he shouldn't, and 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 doing too little when he should do more. That side of things. And then yeah, Senora is another player that I think um, just struggled to be impactful. Right, and sometimes it's an eye test. It's not necessarily the fact because you can go into these games and play square balls and they're trying to do, they're trying to be impactful, but it's time and place. And, and, and it's about some of those little details where you can just sometimes feel like, oh, this guy's off the mark or off the pace of what's expected um, of them, which I think is a good thing, right? You can start to filter and we need to filter 
Um, whether that's in easy games or in difficult games, you filter that pool and you start to build a more cohesive unit. And then similarly to Jesus Ferreira, who's been on the outside looking in post-World Cup, it's an opportunity now uh, for them to go back to their clubs, either make a move somewhere else or or kind of revitalize their 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 chances and their standards by 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 kind of overachieving again. So uh is anybody from from you outside of those names that that you've been like huh not yeah Matt, Matt, Matt Miazga okay had uh, he had uh, a really difficult uh substitution um for Miles Robinson uh this last game when he came in just yeah. looked way off the pace and and this is a player who thinks he should be been at the world cup and playing. So, yeah. uh, I, I think that's one, the only one I would add to, to your list. Um, so okay. yeah, I, I feel like everyone else, um, you know, out of, out of everyone outside of Ferreira, it's Reynolds, Dewan Jones, Mihailovic. I, I really want to see what he looks like this year at Al Az at Alkmar. Um, and Mihailovic has been yeah. good. I like, I like, I like what he's yeah. done. And, for uh, uh, Russia's point there, didn't he say Aiden Morris would be able to compete for 2026 uh, midfield spot? Yeah. I said that he is a player that I think could put pressure on considering the depth charts of our of our number six and not having any any depth on that. But guess what? I was wrong. <laughs> like, no, but that, that wasn't even Aiden Morris we were talking about. We were talking no. about... No, we we're talking about the young... young Armaski and yeah, we're talking about young Cole players Buck. like that. I, I absolutely no chance. Yeah, I do think these... I do think some of those players... Uh, Aiden was always more of like, could he prove to be a, a good six option behind uh, Tyler Adams? But the young guys, and, I still think we're a couple a couple years out. And yeah, and and I still think we're a couple years out and, and there will be a surprise um, along the way. It would have been nice to see some more of those U20s and those young guys in this tournament, especially considering uh, the group stage opponents to see what those are, um, uh, considering what they were. But again, I, I do think they're, we're going to have a break, couple breakout players because we've had that every every cycle. You have breakout players that aren't in the fold and maybe they make a, a late jump and, and get in there. So I'm not worried about, about there being a little bit of a shaking of the tree. Um, said 10, come 10 years, right? He has 10 years to get there. 10 years? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't say you, this World Cup. I said 2030, guys. Yeah, I said you, a World Cup. What do you make of Cade Cowell? I actually like again. I don't want a player like that to come off the bench always, um, because I think it, it being a super sub is, is is a dangerous sort of role to play because you're only the super sub till the next young player is pushing for a starting spot. But I did like his. He's been a bit disappointing for me in the tournament, but in this last last game, I thought he was good at being impactful a little more deliberate and a little bit more precise in his passing and obviously he's got all the physical attributes like you like you talked about um with um with Dewan Jones like he's he's a, he's a monster physically um and so I think those are all tools that that need to be honed I'd like to see him again go into finish out the season and get into a more difficult environment where maybe the Netherlands or something like that where it's a professional environment daily and we can he can push his limits and level going forward disappointing to me in the tournament but in this last game as a sub coming off the bench i was like okay this guy i i, I like i still like what could be it's just a lot the of upside. raw material that needs yeah. yes it's just a lot of raw material that we've seen especially with players of his type um that need to be um 
you know, those raw materials need to come into like some sort of final product. Um, and, and obviously he's still super young, gets his first goal. Hopefully that's a turning point for him confidence wise, but he's just got a long way to go. Um, and we know with, with wingers like that, when they're streaky, when they're not impactful, uh, in other ways, they tend to fall down the pecking order quick, right? Because of just like, they've got some special tools, but if you don't have a final product, you know, it's hard, but I think he's, he's in a moment now and a window of time that I think is good for him. And, and he's going to most benefit from his club environment more than I think a lot of other guys, because he is a lot, there's just so much raw there that like, he's got to get into a, a, a you know, a place that's going to shape all of that. Holland, Holland and Belgium, uh, that, that screams a, a good environment atmosphere for a, a Kate Cowan. Mm -hmm. Just the, 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 the little blips we get of, of his quality, the goal against Trinidad and Tobago, when he has loads of space to run into, that's when he shines, right? Mm -hmm. It's when there is no space. You can't use your pace. H how do you impact the game? His first touch, you know, where you really need to improve, the first touch, holding the ball, accurate passes, different types of movement, not just north-south. Mm -hmm. That's where we would see him grow and he, like you said, he's so raw. So if right. he's able to make that jump and work on those different parts of his game, we know his strengths. And he's a, he's a, he's a different type of player because of that acceleration and quickness that he has and strength. But he, he's got to understand the different aspects of the game, how to impact and contribute to, to a squad. And international play is in particularly when teams will sit back low and protect uh, that, that final third don't give you much space. How do you combine? How do you how do you navigate those little spaces in between the lines? So, um, it, it's it's definitely a project and a project that I'm intrigued by. Well, Chuck, I gotta say, you know, it's good to have your your realtor pop up on the uh, pop up on the screen and leave a comment. Maui Sunset Oceanfront Condos. You know, it's just good to know. And I know you got a number of realtors where you buy your homes, but like, you know, it's good to make sure that you're converting those into uh, into the trust fund as well. Uh, and joining us on the show. Uh, as just a reminder to everybody, uh, Tim Weah to Juventus, uh, that, that is made official. Uh, Juventus announced Tim Weah's transfer, paying what looks like a 12 million euro transfer fee, five-year deal until 2028, got the bag. Chuck, uh, for him, you actually had said this uh, during Nations League that he, you know you chatted with him and he had said, oh, a wingback. Now it makes sense why he wants to be a wingback because he's going to be one for the next five years. Um, do you like this move for him? Obviously this is a club, you know, similar to AC Milan who's going through some stuff uh, with like, you know, the, the, the board being thrown out and changes to, you know, legends coming in and out and things like that. But for him, all of the insecurity happening in, in Syria, especially with Juventus, do you like this move? It's a long-term deal. So that's always an upside. It's a fantastic move. Yes. They're not in champions league, but this is Juve. It's the massive expectations during this quality side that are, are frankly playing with a chip on their shoulder. So mm -hmm. he's coming in to basically do exactly what Quadrado did in that right wing back spot. So I think for his development, it, it couldn't have been better. Quadrado leaves, Di Maria, Di Maria leaves. So now you have a, a real vacancy and a need for that right wing, right wing back spot. Someone who's a little bit quicker, has the pace. Uh, I love it. And, and I think he, he's going to shine because what we saw from him over the World Cup and then into Nations League and then a full season in the French 
French league where he's playing right back and left back. He's an all around player. He's super intelligent. I, I love this. It's only going to make him and the U S men's national team that much better. Well, I love that. Well, listen, Chuck, we're going to go out on a high because um, I believe uh, we have, a uh, you know, Alex has something to, to throw up on the screen or a comment or something. Um, we got a nice little graphic here. Of, uh... <laughs> Chuck and his outfit, that's so good. Uh, how do you do, fellow trust funders? Uh, for those of you that are listening to this in audio form, there's a beautiful graphic uh, that's been photoshopped with Chuck with a skateboard red hoodie on hat backwards uh and it's just fantastic it's pretty pretty good <laughs> pretty good pretty good content which i i can't complain about oh um, hey you guys are trying to trying to set me off i huh? trigger yeah. me uh, okay. but at least it's triggering in the right ways you know I'll, I'll, I'm, happy to, I'm happy to i'm happy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm happy to i'm happy to just enjoy these types of things instead of having to debate soccer all the time that can be exhausting but as a reminder everybody just a heads up we will go live uh, again on Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. We appreciate all of you. And again, as a reminder, we'll go live again after the U.S.'s next game, which will be Sunday sometime. Still waiting for the results of uh, Group D to see what time that kickoff is and where. But until then, make sure you leave a rating and a review and take a minute just to throw a little comment in on your favorite pod podcast platform. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to your podcast. We're also available as video, subscribe on YouTube. Woo! Turn those notifications on. You don't want to miss so you the videos. Sure. You the, yeah, you don't you miss the, the videos. Yeah. Me, uh, Lupe Fiasco wrote kick push about me. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote kick push and kick push two about you. You know what I mean? Because you bounce, <laughs> yeah. bounce back so so wrong. Shout out to Lupe Fiasco, the official like a, a musical artist of the U.S. men's national team. Love that he's been part of the U.S. cycle for quite some time. But that is it for us. On behalf of myself, Charlie Chuckwagon Davies, our producer Des, producer Alex. And Jimmy, cream cheese, Conrad, trash can, Conrad Inyo, Conrad, whatever that is. Uh, that is it from us. We will see you guys on Thursday. See you soon. Bye.